It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and happy St. Patrick's Day. That's right, maybe you set that leprechaun trap that's your luck of the Irish, maybe you have a little bit of a gold pile sitting at your home, but either way, we're keeping things all green here this week for show number 141 for the week of March 17th, 2016, as we're celebrating everything that's green in honor of St. Patrick's Day, and we're returning to Oz. That's right, we're going back to that place with the yellow brick road the emerald city and we're gonna have none other than ozma herself emma ridley here with us this week now emma ridley played ozma in the 1985 classic return to oz and she's gonna stop in and talk about a variety of different things wearing the dresses the gowns hijinks on set her most memorable moments that she still takes with her today showing it to her children and the lasting impression that return to oz has played in so many people's lives from this 1980s disney classic she's also going to delve into what she's doing now and many other things and no show would be complete without the d team that's right and this week we definitely need the d team because i have a bit of a spring cold going on here as you can tell in my voice but you have the questions he has the answers and aaron is going to answer all your questions and i want to know we have the latest from the walt disney world resort with wdw and two with our very own caitlin we have Jason, who's going deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD you must add to your collection. We have Paige, live from the Walt Disney World Resort, giving you this week's magical music review with a look into the deep musical history of everything from the Walt Disney Company. We have Randy with the latest in Disney multimedia for your iOS, your Android, your gaming devices, your Xbox, your Wii U's, and so much more. We have Cody taking a deeper look into our special guest this week, Miss Emma Ridley, Ozma herself, in this week's Hollywood Walk. And let's not forget Nathan, who's dusting off those books in the library and telling us just what happened this week in Disney history. There is tons of news hot off the D-Wire. We have everything from Give Kids the World, Sharing Your Ears, Make-A-Wish Foundation, The Magic Kingdom, Disneyland, Disney Springs, the Disney Channel, Girl Meets World, and so much more. So before we officially kick off this week's show with the luck of the Irish, and with any luck of the Irish, I'll kick this cold that I have this week, let's not forget that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is 100% fee-free agency that's going to help you plan, book, and get your vacation and make it the most magical that you can possibly have for your family. At Mickey's Travel, they're knowledgeable, they're experts, and they're going to walk you through every single step of the process. They're going to help you book your room, your dining reservations, get those character experiences, and just by mentioning that you heard about them here on Diz Radio, they're going to hook you up. That's right, with lanyards and autograph books and so much more as those extra goodies just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz Radio. So definitely check them out, mickeystravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, as I mentioned, I'm losing my voice here this week. I have a little bit of a cold, which is kind of scary considering I'm going to the C2E2 event this weekend. But hopefully the luck of the Irish is going to be on my side. I'll be able to kick this cold 
but I am excited for all things green. I'm excited to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, having that hint of Irish in my blood as well. So I'm excited to have Ozma, Emma Ridley. Yes, from Return to Oz, stopping in here very shortly and take that trip through the Emerald City and all things green. So let's officially kick off show number 141 for the week of March 17th, 2016. And I'll be back, RVD heads. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes are sparkling full of fun, no other, no other man's the likes of her. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one, I love the ground she walks upon, my pretty Irish girl. Have you ever seen a seagull flying o'er the heather? Fishermen unfurled Oh, the earth is filled with beauty And it's gathered all together In the form and face And dainty grace Of a pretty Irish girl Oh, she's my dear, my darling one Her eyes are sparkling the likes of her Oh, she is my dear, my darling one My smiling and beguiling one I love the ground she walks upon My pretty Irish girl Oh, she is my dear, my darling one Her eyes are sparkling full One, no other, no other Can match the likes of her Oh, she is my dear, my darling one My smiling and beguiling one I love the ground she walks upon My pretty Irish girl she walks upon my pretty Irish girl. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents a motion picture fantasy adventure beyond your fondest imagination. You'll be transported miraculously back to the enchanted land of Oz, that magical kingdom beloved by young and old for generations. It's just a yellow brick. No, Belina, you don't understand. This was the yellow brick road. You'll share with Dorothy Gale the shock of finding everything mysteriously changed. What's happened to everybody? And you'll delight with her discovery of four wonderful new friends who band together against a wicked queen and the dreaded Gnome King. This is the Oz you haven't seen before. And this is the Oz you'll want to visit again and again. From Walt Disney Pictures comes a whole new world of entertainment. Why don't we just fly back to Kansas? Return to Oz. I'm Emma Ridley from Return to Oz. I played Ozma in the Disney sequel to The Wizard of Oz. And thank you for listening to Disney On Demand.
Cash is all that we need Beautifully, playfully, lovingly so Handily, carefully, all of us go The luck of a thousand tires is ours Raise up your voice, let's try my guitar Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Final too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Carrie only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and my voice is getting a little bit better. You know, of course, I have some Irish beverages that I'm drinking here to help that out a little bit. But I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 141 for the week of March 17th, 2016, as we're taking that trip to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, all things green, and we're returning to Oz with Ozma herself, Miss Emma Ridley, stopping in here at the show very shortly. Like I said, I'm a little bit under the weather here, a little bit sick, so I might just let the D-team carry this one here this week and maybe the luck of the Irish will help my voice recover but we have a ton of news hot off the D-wire and before I jump into all that news as always I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show and first and foremost you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com that's D-I-Z radio.com there you can find our full list of past shows the complete archives our latest news blogs our lifetime of Disney player the podcast archives memes and so much more right there on our official website at dizradio.com DIZradio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and so many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky little show. And remember, you can always subscribe and get the latest shows right there on your mobile device, your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, and more just by subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released so it's a little bit of magic for your ears and you can do that just by subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher Radio and remember all of these links and more are right there on our official website at dizradio.com D-I-Z radio.com so all of you D-heads, we have a lot of different things on the horizon. News here, we have all kinds of fun as we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. So before you boot up, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, Luck of the Irish, uh, you know, any of the other, I guess, kind of Irish movies you possibly could. And of course, one that's not Disney, Rankin and Bass, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. There's a lot of great ones out there. Or if you're going to go horror, you know, you have Leprechaun the movies with uh, Jennifer Aniston and some others in that. But let's just jump into that news hot off the D-wire. And how about Give the Kids the World? celebrates 30 years of making dreams come true. Yes, Give Kids the World, a nonprofit organization that provides children with life-threatening illnesses and their families week-long fantasy vacations, will celebrate its 30th anniversary this year, marking three decades of providing the happiness that inspires hope. Now, since 1986, the organization has hosted more than 143,000 children and their families. Give the Kids the World partners with more than 240 wish-granting organizations from around the world to bring these families to Central Florida to experience the world's most beloved theme parks. 
Now there is no cost for the visiting families because of this organization. Now the inspiration for Give Kids the World was a wish that went unfulfilled. 30 years ago, a six-year-old girl named Amy wanted to visit Walt Disney World, but despite efforts to make the dream come true, Amy, who had leukemia, passed away before all the pieces could come together. An Orlando hoteler and Holocaust survivor named Henry Landsworth was so moved by her story, he pledged that no child's wish would ever again come too late. With the help of his friends and colleagues in the hospitality industry and his new venture could make a wish come true in as little as 24 hours. Now Give the Kids a World started in 1986 as few rooms spread out between several hotel locations. Now three years later the whimsical Give Kids the World Village resort opened in Kissimmee and has grown to encompass 79 acres with 144 two-bedroom villas. Now the one-of-a-kind village looks as if it left off the pages of a child's storybook. Now it has Castle of Miracles where golden stars are personalized with each child's wish name as it twinkles on the ceiling and many other things from Halloween, Christmas and so much more. Now they have officially said over the last 30 years we have welcomed thousands of children and their families into the village, home and into our hearts. Each one of them has made a lasting mark on our lives, said Pamela Landworth, President and CEO of Give Kids the World Village. As we look backward through the years, we are so thankful for the incredible generosity of our corporate donors, partners and everyone who has helped support our mission, she has stated. They have shared their time, talents and resources to ensure that our families leave the village with memories that they will cherish for a lifetime. Now in 2015, the village welcomed more than 7,700 families, a number expected to grow in 2016. To accommodate the continuing growth, additional villas are under construction, and the first phase of Banyan Park, which includes an additional 24 villas, is scheduled to open this coming fall. Now also this year, they're going to have a variety of different things coming, including bringing memories to the village with alumni families and family reunions, and so much more. If you want to find out more about this, it is a fantastic charity. Many of us know people that have gone to these villas as well. And of course, in the Disney community, we're always very supportive of it. But if you want to find out more, 30 years, 143,000 wishes granted, givekidstheworld.org if you want to find out more about this great organization. Now, since we are talking about organizations, and mind you if my voice is getting hoarse here and it's hard to hear through, but how about Make-A-Wish? Yes, the Disneyland Resort and Make-A-Wish Foundation are celebrating the success of the Worldwide Share Your Ears campaign. In front of a crowd of wish granters, volunteers, and wish families, Disneyland Resort and Make-A-Wish celebrated the success of the Global Share Your Ears campaign and announced that Disney Parks will double its original donation from $1 million to $2 million in recognition of the overwhelming support from fans around the globe. Now, to honor the 100,000th Disney Wish granted globally and in celebration of Disneyland Resort's 60th anniversary, fans were invited to share images of people wearing Mickey ears or creative interpretations of Mickey ears, and photos were uploaded with the hashtag ShareYourEars, and it unlocked a $5 donation from Walt Disney Parks and Resorts up to $1 million. Now, officially stated in the press release, we are overwhelmed by the response to Share Your Ears, said David Williams, president and CEO of Make-A-Wish America. The campaign not only raised valuable funds for the wish granting, but it also allowed us to engage with both current Make-A-Wish supporters and those who have learned about us for the very first time. We now have a worldwide community who is more enthusiastic about our unique relationship with Disney than ever before. 
Now, the Disney Parks did announce that it would donate $2 million to the Make-A-Wish and double that original pledge, and it just continues to show that Disney is in full support of making these wishes come true, helping these children have the lasting memories, and really make the magic happen. Now, as they have released, Bob Chapek, chairman of the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, he has stated, we are thrilled that so many of our guests, fans, and cast members supported Make-A-Wish by sharing their ears and joining Walt Disney Parks and Resorts in making even more children's wishes come true. Now, for more than 35 years, Disney and Make-A-Wish have granted wishes of children with life-threatening medical conditions, touching millions of people around the world. Nearly 8,000 Disney-related wishes are granted worldwide every single year, including experiences at the theme parks, voyages on Disney Cruise Lines, meeting with the characters, and visits to TV and movie sets. And Disney is the most popular request by most Make-A-Wish children. Now, John Stetner, president and CEO of Make-A-Wish International, has said we are grateful to Disney and the hundreds and thousands of fans worldwide who help share this simple, artistic, and sometimes wacky Mickey ears. It's because of you that Wish kids and families experience life-changing powers and making wishes come true. Let's just say it is fantastic, you know, having these kids and families that two organizations now I've just talked about that are really going that extra mile to make the memories happen. Now, moving along here and pushing away and getting into something that's a little bit older, a little bit newer, and of course, you've seen it everywhere, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but how about Disney confirming Harrison Ford is going to return to the role of Indiana Jones? Yes, it has been all over social media. If you were following me on Facebook or Twitter, all you had to do is look at a post above me or below me from somebody else, and you probably saw a link. Now, the actor who first starred as the Explorer in Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981 will be 70 seven years old when he films the fifth installment of the action adventure series released on July 19th 2019. Now Disney and Lucasfilm have confirmed that Steven Spielberg is going to direct the sequel. Now he has signed on for the sequel and the statement reads Indiana Jones will return to big screen in July of 2019 for a fifth epic adventure in the blockbuster series. Now Steven Spielberg who directed all four previous films will helm yet once again with Harrison Ford reprising his iconic role. My guess is this is going to be a pass the torch film, one that's going to help carry on the legacy whether that's going to be Mutt or one of the other characters we'll see what happens but I you know as much as everybody hates the fourth one I don't think it was that bad I don't think it was that horrible of a film it was very enjoyable either way I mean of course aliens whatever but it was still a really good enjoyable film now the successful franchise has brought in nearly two billion dollars at the global box office and now that Disney has it in their franchise let's just say I see a lot more coming and then moving the story forward much like they're doing with Star Wars with all new characters. Now, since we are talking about Disney World and the Disney parks and, you know, the Disney franchises, how about Disney World testing preferred parking? Yes, but for a price. Yes, Walt Disney World is testing a program where visitors can pay more for parking to get a spot closer to theme park entrances. A Disney spokeswoman confirmed this last Tuesday. For $15 on top of regular parking fee, guests headed to the Magic Kingdom in Epcot will be allowed to pull into designed areas for their current parking lots. For instance, the current parking fees for automobiles right now is $20, and the preferred parking total would be $35. That is crazy for parking for the day. Now, the Magic Kingdom preferred parking is in the Jafar section of the lot, while Epcot preferred parkers will go to the Amaze area. Now, visitors to the Magic Kingdom who go for the optional fee will have to maneuver to the Ticket and Transportation Center, either foot or tram, and then take the monorail or boat to the theme park. Now, the preferred parking test is not available at Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios at this time. 
but the parking is free at Disney Springs, Disney World Water Parks, and ESPN Wide World of Sports. Now, visitors who are staying at the Disney Resort hotels, I know that's a big question you're probably thinking about, will have parking included with their annual pass, but they can still pay the extra $15 to park closer if you're not using the free transportation that Disney does offer. Now, the test is not affecting handicapped parking slots at the Magic Kingdom and Epcot, and regular parking hit a record level of $20 this last November. I'm not sure if this is a good move. It just seems like we're tacking on more and more fees for preferred parking, preferred fireworks viewing, preferred parade viewings, uh, Fast Pass Pluses. I just really don't enjoy having to plan and pay for everything just to get a true Disney experience. But let's just see where it goes from there, and uh, they are testing it out, and when they say it's testing, let's just say it's coming for sure. It's just what always happens. So all of you D-heads, there are a couple of other things I was going to talk about, including two executives getting promoted at within the Disney company, with two VPs of original movies and series from Disney Channel and Disney XD, of course Girl Meets World Season 3, and so much more, but my voice is really taking its toll here, all of you D-heads. Like I said, I'm under the weather, I'm hoping the luck of the Irish is going to uh, you know, bring some luck my way and get this out of my system before we head out to the C2E2 event this weekend, so if you are going to be at that event, Event, seek me out, do a shout out here for the show, and let's connect up. I mean, C2E2 in Chicago. So if you are listening in, let's meet up. Drop us a line. We'll even plan a you know pre-designed meeting spot or whatnot so we can all get together. It's going to be fun, and uh, you know we have a lot of things planned for C2E2 as well. So much of the D team is going to be there. So all VDs. With that said, I'm going to drink some adult uh, Irish beverages here. Hopefully that uh, helps out my throat. Right? You know, some green beer always seems to help everything or maybe I'll have to shift it to a shamrock shake. But before I release the reins to the D team of Aaron, Caitlin, Jason, Paige, Randy, Nathan, and Cody, all with their signature segments, answering questions, the Walt Disney World Resort, music, movies, Hollywood walks, uh, looking back at Disney history, video games, before I release these reins to the D team and we gear up for the one and only Ozma herself. Emma Ridley from Return to Oz. I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is 100% no fee free agency. They're knowledgeable, they're experts, and they're going to help you plan that most magical Walt Disney World vacation that you could possibly have. From booking dining reservations, character experiences, your tickets, your resort, and more, they're going to help make it the most magical experience that you could possibly have for your family. So definitely check them out and mention that you heard about them here at Diz radio because they're going to hook you up with autograph books lanyards and so much more to even add that extra magic just to booking your trip just by mentioning that you heard about them here at Diz radio so check them out mickeystravel.com the official sponsor of Diz radio so all vd ads with that said i'm going to release the reins to the d team here lots of fun on the horizon i'm going to rest up my voice because i'm going to take that trip to oz with the one and only emma ridley here at the show very soon as well so let's take it away release the reins to the d team and continue on celebrating saint patrick's day all things green as we return to the emerald city for show number 141 for the week of march 17th 2016 happy saint patrick's day and be sure to click your heels three times to head back home later on in the show. Be right back, all of you D-heads, and take it away, team. Their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that dream is being realized with the filming of Walt Disney Pictures' live-action adventure fantasy, Return to Oz. 
a unique motion picture that is the most modern and yet also the most faithful of all the Oz films to date. Here on the plains of Salisbury, England, Dorothy's Kansas was recreated for Return to Oz, while in London, most of the filming took place on spectacular sets where technicians created the wonderland of Oz in the way L. Frank Baum envisioned it so many years ago. Return to Oz brings Dorothy back to an Oz that is not at all the way she left it. No, Belina, you don't understand. This was the Yellow Brick Road. Oh. It leads to the Emerald City. Drawing upon the second and third books in the Oz series, director Walter Murch has assembled an innovative production team to create a film faithful to Baum's vision. Nicole Williamson, Gene Marsh, Piper Laurie, and Fruza Balk star in Return to Oz. It's a film that is based on books written by L. Frank Baum. It tells the story of how Dorothy goes back to Oz for the second time and what she encounters there in a whole different set of adventures. Uh, I like to think of it, though, as a sequel, really, uh, a sequel to one side, in a sense. It, uh, it's not a musical. It has a different set of characters in it. It uh, is using film techniques that have been developed over the last 45 years since that, uh, the previous Judy Garland film was made. Merch spent three years in planning and researching Return to Oz. Using animatronics and clay animation, the result is an adventure fantasy that blends the realistic with the surreal.
Hi, this is Mark Elliott, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. And now, our feature presentation. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. May the luck of the Irish be with you. The virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Toby F. of Flint, Michigan, and he writes, Disney On Demand Podcast? I had a thought about Darby O'Gill. In the film, it speaks of the King of the Leprechauns and such. First, is that made-up mythology from Walt Disney, or is that the Irish tradition story of the king? Second, where else has the girl appeared? I know Connery for sure, but I swear I've seen her in other Disney films, just not sure where. Well, Darby O'Gill and the Little People is a 1959 Walt Disney production film starring Albert Sharp, Janet Monroe, Sean Connery, and Jimmy O'Day in a tale about a wily Irishman and his battle of wits with leprechauns. The film was directed by Robert Stevenson and its screenplay written by Lawrence Edward Watkin after the books of Hermione Templeton Cavanaugh. The film's title is a slight modification of one of the two Cavanaugh books, Darby O'Gill and the Good People, this book and her other book, The Ashes of Old Wishes and Other Darby O'Gill Tales, were the source for this movie. Janet Monroe, who played Katie O'Gill, starred in three Disney film releases. Darby O'Gill and the Little People in 1959, Third Man on the Mountain in 1959, and Swiss Family Robinson in 1960, as well as the Horsemasters in 1961, which aired on Disney's weekly television series. Our next question is from Michelle Ratson of Orlando, Florida, and she writes, Aaron of the D-Team, question for you on Luck of the Irish. No, really, the Luck of the Irish, the Disney movie. Is it on DVD anywhere? Also, has any of the stars gone on to anything else? Well, the Luck of the Irish is a 2001 Disney Channel original movie. The movie is about a teenager who loses the family's lucky gold coin, finds out he is half a leprechaun, and must retrieve the gold coin to keep his family from being controlled by an evil leprechaun. Unfortunately, the movie has not been released on DVD, but is available for digital download on Amazon. As far as the actors, Ryan Merriman, who played Kyle Johnson, is best known for portraying Jake in the Ring 2 in 2005, and Kevin Fisher in Final Destination 3 in 2006. Also in 2002, he played Adam Eddington in another Disney Channel original movie, A Ring of Endless Light. Henry Gibson, who played Riley O'Reilly, also starred in the TV show Boston Legal from 2004 to 2008. Timothy Omenson, who played Seamus McTiernan, is notable for his supporting roles as Sean Potter on the CBS television series Judging Amy, Eli on the syndicated series Xena Warrior Princess, Carlton Lasseter in Psych as King Richard on the musical series Gallivant, and as Kane in Supernatural. Luck of the Irish will be showing on the Disney Channel on St. Patrick's Day, and if you have DirecTV, it's available on demand till the end of March. 
Well, our final question this week is from Dave Hines, and he writes, Aaron of Disney On Demand Podcast, question about the 1985 classic Return to Oz. I can't find anywhere which books this film is based off of. Do you have any clue? Thank you so much. Well, this is definitely an interesting movie. The plot focuses on an insomniac, Dorothy, who returns to the land of Oz, only to discover that the entire country and its inhabitants are facing near extinction at the hands of a villainous king who dwells in a neighboring mountain. Upon her second arrival, Dorothy, alongside her pet chicken, Belina, is befriended by a group of new companions, including TikTok, Jack Pumpkinhead, and the Flying Gump. Together they set out on a quest to save Oz and restore it to its former glory. Return to Oz is loosely based on L. Frank Baum's Oz novels, mainly The Marvelous Land of Oz from 1904 and Ozma of Oz from 1907, yet is set six months after the events of the first novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz from 1900. Although it is not an official sequel to the 1939 MGM film, The Wizard of Oz, it does borrow a few elements from that film. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads... Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. ...and their dealings with... ...dressed envelope to... ...Davis and Kirk... ...right down that... You're the guy in school, Kyle. Everybody knows it. When Kyle learns a secret about his family... There's something your mother and I need to tell you. I am a leprechaun. You mean I'm a leprechaun, too? It changes his life. Does he look shorter, too? By about three feet. I'm getting shorter. Now, the fate of his family is in his hands. All right, we've got to get our luck back before it's too late. Disney Channel presents The Luck of the Irish, starring Ryan Merriman. No, no, no. I'm not Irish. I'm an American. Tomorrow at 9, 8 central on Disney Channel. There's trouble in Oz, such trouble in Oz. Oz is not the happy Oz it used to was. I don't know the how or the why or the when or the where or the just because, but there's T-R-O-U-B-L-E in Oz. Things usually are quiet in the land of Oz, but now and then they sound the Oz alarm. Then the leaders of Oz, the tried and true, know right away what we've got to do. We answer the call, we all come through, keep it safe from trouble and harm when they're sounding the Oz alarm. There's trouble in Oz, such trouble in Oz. Oz is not the happy Oz it used to was. I don't know what's wrong, but I gotta get there and start helping them out Because there is trouble, double trouble, things are starting to boil and bubble There's trouble, double trouble, a bubble in Oz I don't know the how or the why or the when or the where or the just because But there's T-R-O-U-B-L-E in Oz Oz is not the happy Oz it used to was. 
I don't know what's wrong, but I gotta get there and start helping them out because there is trouble, double trouble. Things are starting to boil and bubble. There's trouble, double trouble, a bubble in Oz. Yes, there is. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. Good news for Inside Out fans. Joy and Sadness will be around for meet and greets soon at the newly expanded Epcot Character Spot. In case you didn't know, along with Mickey, Minnie, and Goofy, you can also meet Baymax at this location. So get your autograph books ready and watch out for Joy and Sadness at the beginning of next month. Speaking of characters, there's a great new character dining experience at Hollywood Studios. Minnie's Springtime Dine is a perfectly themed garden party soiree where you can eat with Minnie and her pals, and the menu sounds like it will rival some of the delicious eats at the Flower and Garden Festival in Epcot. Featuring classic picnic foods with a twist, you can try barbecue meatballs, herb-roasted pork, lobster mac and cheese, buffalo-baked chicken, basil-lime fruit salad, and sweets like passion fruit cheesecake, key lime tarts, and coconut lavender lemonade, which all sound incredible to me. To make reservations for Minnie's Springtime Dine, go to DisneyWorld.com dine or call 407-WDW-DINE. And to top off today's character news, make sure to watch out for Zootopia's Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde to join the Move It, Shake It, Celebrate It dance party in the Magic Kingdom. They'll be joining sometime soon to make all your dance party dreams come true. If you haven't caught Zootopia yet, make sure to see it while it's still in theaters. It really is a treat. I can't wait to see it again myself. Thanks for listening. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And don't ever forget... You can fly. This is the story of Return to Oz. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. The Kansas sky was clear and full of stars. It was a perfect night for sleeping. But Dorothy couldn't even close her eyes. Ever since the tornado six months ago, all she could think about was Oz. Suddenly, a meteor streaked across the sky. Dorothy shot upright in bed. A shooting star! It must be a sign from Oz! The next morning, Dorothy's pet chicken, Bellina, found a key in the barnyard. Dorothy rushed to her Aunt Em. Look! A key to Oz! It must have come from that star. My friends are in trouble. I just know it. Aunt Em shook her head unhappily. We've got to stop this talk of Oz once and for all, Dorothy. I'm going to take you to a doctor who will help you forget about those bad dreams. Hi, this is Beverly D'Angelo from Christmas Vacation and all the other vacations. Entourage, coal miner's daughter, a gazillion things. I've been in over a billion movies or whatever. Even if you haven't heard of me, guess what? You're listening to Disney On Demand.
adventures of Darby O'Gill and the lost kingdom of the little people. Once you're here, there's no going back. Here's entertainment to delight the entire family with Sean Connery and King Brian, the fun-lovingest leprechaun ever to rule the land of enchantment. Don't miss Walt Disney's Darby O'Gill and the little people. Rated G. It's a touch of magic from Walt Disney in theater. Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. So as always, branching off that, let's begin. Kicking off this week, let's begin with a throwback to This Week in Diz Radio history, with show number 103 from March of last year, featuring John Biner of Black Cauldron fame as Gergi, and Transylvania 65000 as Radu. Jump back with us today and check it out. Now, starting out this week in Disney history, we're going to go to 1928, when on a train ride back to California from New York City, accompanied by his wife Lillian, Walt Disney himself sends his brother and business partner Roy a Western Union telegram that reads, Leaving tonight, stopping over KC, arrive home Sunday morning, 7.30. Don't worry, everything okay, we'll give details when arrive. This is in reference, of course, to the fact that the Disney brothers have probably lost their beloved animated creation Oswald, the Lucky Rabbit, to Charles Mintz. In 1944, Carol Ferris, the last performer to play Space Girl at Disneyland, is born in Kansas City, Missouri. In the early years of Disneyland, there were live performers that were associated with particular areas of the park. Tomorrowland featured Spaceman and Space Girl, who greeted guests. In 1955, a groundbreaking ceremony took place at 11.15 a.m. in Anaheim for the Disneyland Hotel. In 1967, the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction opens in New Orleans Square at Disneyland, California. In 1969, Disney's film The Love Bug, starring Dean Jones, Mike Michelle Lee, Buddy Hackett, and Joe Flynn, is generally released. In 1971, Disney's live-action comedy The Barefoot Executive is released. In 1982, a new television series, Herbie the Love Bug, which is based on the Love Bug movie series, premieres with the episode Herbie the Matchmaker. In 1997, Disney World's Pleasure Island officially transformed into Pleasure Ireland for St. Paddy's Day. 
The first 1,000 guests receive free party favors, and the night is going to be filled with games, including a contest to find the best Irish jig dancer. In 1999, Test Track officially opened at Walt Disney World's Epcot. Sponsored by General Motors, the attraction is the fastest ride ever designed at the time by Disney Imagineers and can reach 65 miles per hour. In 2000, the Omni Mover vehicles are removed from the Closed Horizons attraction in Epcot. Since the beginning of this month, the building has been emptied in preparation for demolition and rebuilding as Mission Space will take its place. In 2005, the Academy Award-winning Disney Pixar animated feature The Incredibles is released on DVD. And also in 2005, although it's already been open to guests since March 13th, Crushing Gusher, which is a water coaster in Disney's Typhoon Lagoon at Disney World, has an official debut. In 2006, another first for Disney and Apple, high school musical Disney Channel's hit became the first full-length movie to be sold on Apple's iTunes Music Store. In 2009, a new illuminated Paradise Pier sign on the California Screamin' Roller Coaster greeted guests of Disney's California Adventure for the first time. In 2010, actor Fess Parker, who we all know as the infamous Davy Crockett himself, passes away at the age of 85. Everyone tip your coonskin cap in respect for this Hollywood legend. And 2016, which is a very recent event happening at Walt Disney World, the St. Louis Cardinals played the Atlanta Braves at Champions Stadium at ESPN's Wide World of Sports Complex, the final score being tied at 8-8 for spring training. And we're going to end this week in Disney History D-Heads with a few birthdays around the Disney company. We're going to start out this week with writer Ridley Pearson of the Disney-based Kingdom Keepers series of novels being born, Billy Crystal, who's everyone's favorite monster, Mike Wazowski, Vicki Lewis, who voiced Deb and Flo in Finding Nemo, and finally, Alicia Rulin, known to high school musical fans as Kelsey Nielsen, who we also interviewed in episode number 80, if you want to go back and check it out. And also, obviously, I threw one into the regular history this week in 1944 with Carol Ferris, who was the space girl at Disneyland. Well, D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new maybe you didn't know. Feel free to email me at nathan at disradio.com. I'd love to hear from you guys as always. And as always, have a great week and see you real soon. For long shots, the mechanical Bolina had a real chicken for a stand-in. Since every detail of the characters has been designed with such startling realism, their movements required months of study and work. Pons Marr, my movement advisor, explains. I was the lead wheeler, one of the uh, characters, one of the bad characters that chases all the, uh, the good characters around, and uh, in charge of all the other characters' movement, the pumpkin head, scarecrow, uh, lion, the other wheelers, to an extent, the tin man, Jack Pumpkinhead. That, initially, that was the hardest one, because that one was, a, as opposed to Scarecrow, which presented a set of problems of its own, it was really more of a known entity. With Jack, we, we had an almost wide open field in terms of establishing how his character would move and would read, would work. Um, then the limitations started coming in with how the puppet was built, how, what the puppeteers could do with that, and then what the human could do. 
H stands for Scarecrow, H because he's hay-filled, these are simple alphabetic laws. H stands for Scarecrow, cause everybody knows, the alphabet's the alphabet in Oz. Now T stands for Woodman, cause he's Tim the Woodman, T's for Tim the truth it ever was. T stands for Woodman, cause everybody knows, the alphabet's the alphabet in Oz. A for apple, B for best, C conventional goodness, yes, ABCs are useful in their way. But Oz is another cup of tea. A G's for tea, it's green, you see. The alphabet is there, not here to stay. C stands for lion, C because he's cowardly. C because I'm cute as Santa Claus. <laughs> H for Scarecrow, T for Woodman, G for T, C for Lion, that's the how and the why and the just because. The alphabet's the alphabet. You think you're getting the hang of it? The alphabet's the alphabet in us. Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Time again there, D-Hat. Time for another installment of Hollywood Walk. It's me, Cody, gonna take you on another magical adventure to figure out a little more about this week's special guest. This show, number 141, lands right in the middle of St. Patrick's Day. And what a day it is. And I hope that the day finds your package full of green and gold, along with some adult beverages, if you will. I don't know about you, but usually St. Patrick's Day, most of the gold and green comes out of me pocket. But I think the greatest part about St. Patrick's Day is the fact that I can wear a Green Bay Packers football jersey and no one can say a gosh darn thing about it because I'm just wearing the colors. But enough about St. Patrick's Day. Let's get down to the real reason why you're all here. You're here to find out about this week's special guest, Emma Ridley. And as much fun as it would be to do the whole segment in a nice little Irish accent, at least I thought it was nice. I don't know what you thought about it, but I had fun doing it. Why don't we go back to just talking like plain old Cody here, and let's see what we can find out about Emma Ridley. Most of you would probably recognize her from Return to Oz, the 1985 movie. Emma Ridley was born in 1972 and is from London, England. She started off in the spotlight at a very early age to the tune of eight months. That's right, eight months, not years. And praise him, it wasn't days, but you know, <laughs> who knows? I'm sure it could happen someday. But uh, yeah, eight months where she did advertising as a Gerber baby. And I tell you what, that's quite an honor in itself. I know I tried signing my kid up to be a Gerber baby. Still waiting for that call back. It's been going on five years, um, but I'm, I'm staying hopeful. You never know. <laughs> After she grew up a few years, she starred in The World is Full of Married Men, where she played Lucy four-year-old daughter. After that, she was in Hammer House of Horror in the 1980 TV series, where she did one episode where she played Sophia. Then in 1985, as mentioned, she was in Return to Oz, where she played Princess Ozma. But then also, and she took quite a jump here, um, until she got back in the spotlight, where she was on Boy Meets World, 
and she played Becky Sparrow in one episode in 1997. And then again, took a little time out of the spotlight. Now, although she hasn't been in much on screen, big or small, she does actually have one nomination. Back in 1986, Young Artist Award for Exceptional Performance by a Young Actress for, of course, Return to Oz. As mentioned, she took a little time away from the spotlight to mainly focus on her family. She's got three kids, and she's living in California on a nice little ranch. Just living life to the fullest, and uh, just enjoying life, having a blast. Can't blame her for that. Now, aside from playing in a couple roles here and there, she was also huge into dance and ballet. She joined the Royal Ballet London just at the age of six. And after, as mentioned, taking a little time away from the spotlight in 2005, she created a successful business to the name of Goddess Fitness Dance, which is a which is a completely unique and self-expressing ballet, yoga, and among other types of dancing approach to fitness. That's in 2005, and she's still doing it currently, so must be doing very well. Now, as previously mentioned, that Emma Ridley's biggest performance was as Princess Ozma in the 1985 film Return to Oz, which is basically a sequel to The Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy goes back to the wonderful land of Oz, only to find that it's not the same way she's left it. Uh, most of it's really destroyed, and she finds more friends. The Scarecrow, the Tin Man, they're in there. And she needs to kind of figure out exactly what it is. And along the way, she runs into Princess Ozma. So why don't we dig a little deeper and figure out exactly what who is Princess Ozma? Well, for those of you who don't know, or who read the series of books by L. Frank Baum, Princess Ozma is from the Land of Oz, and she's in every Oz series book except for the first one, which was The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and that was published back in 1900. That's right, 1900. But as it turns out, Princess Ozma is actually the rightful ruler of Oz. And technically, she's actually a fairy. So, kind of keeping with that whole uh, magical uh, fairy tale-like theme that The Wizard of Oz, that whole series kind of has. At least she's not a witch, right? Got kind of hard telling who was who. I guess not really. One wears a nice pretty white and pink dress, the other one, not so much, right? The great thing about Princess Ozma is that she she takes a liking to Dorothy almost instantly. And as you kind of look deeper into Ozma as a character and her uh, the, the future of Princess Ozma and Dorothy, it actually turns out that uh, Princess Ozma becomes great friends with Dorothy and actually invites... Dorothy and her whole family to come live in the land of Oz. And it's also rumored that Dorothy is the only person that is ever allowed inside Princess Ozma's chamber, basically without any supervision needed, because she just trusts her that much. But as you're, if you watch, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, I recommend you go and do it. I know I hadn't seen it before. My wife actually kind of grew up watching it. I always was raised up on the original, The Wizard of Oz, the Judy Garland one, and. Uh, Honestly, I never even heard that there was a return to Oz. Maybe you haven't either. But it's actually a pretty pretty nice film. It's a nice, obviously, family film. And they really kind of stick with the whole Wizard of Oz story. And it just kinda, it's kind of nice to, to go back to Oz and 
see exactly what kind of happens. It's uh, as mentioned, it's it's a great uh, story. It's a great movie. So if you haven't seen it, you know why not take another trip down memory lane and uh, bring back some of your childhood memories and live on with Dorothy and see what ends up happening in the land of Oz. Well, I think that's going to do it for me this week, D Huts. Once again, I hope everyone had a safe and fun St. Patrick's Day, and I will see you next week. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email me at Cody, that's C-O-D-Y, at DizRadio.com. And let's get ready for Emma Ridley. Back over to you, Jonathan.
Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones from your childhood, ones that you've passed on to generations. And with us here this week is somebody that is not slowing down with so many different things on the horizon, but you may also know her from many different films and movies, including The World is Full of Married Men, as well as for all of you Disney fans as Ozma in Return to Oz, the 1985 classic. We have none other than Emma Ridley here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hi, thank you for having me. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody with your resume, so many different things going on, and of course, you know, new things in the horizon for the new year, of course. But for all of our Disney fans and everybody out there who has grown up in the, you know, the 80s and they love that 1985 classic Return to Oz, I guess, what led you down the road of acting first and foremost? Um, you know, I was just a, a commercial kid and I was always in front of the cameras. My first job, I think I was eight months old and I was the Gerber baby. So <laughs> it was logical <laughs> progression. I never actually remember being taught how to be in front of a camera because it was just natural and, you know, it was just, it was just fun. It's, you know, it's, it's fun to shine my light every day and, you know, it's, it's just, I, I'm blessed and amazed that 30 years on and I'm, still a Disney princess. <laughs> and when most of them are cartoons, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Well, you know, with that, like you said, you still are a Disney princess. I mean, that film, uh, you know, has gone down into, it has a bit of a cult following. You know, the, some of those 80 movies, the, you know, they have that cult fan following. Now, I guess, how did you land the role in Return to Oz? Oh, just by going for an audition. I remember, you know, it was just a typical day in the life of, of me being a working actress as a child. And I just go along to various different auditions. And I actually, the first audition I met with the casting director who told me this fabulous story about um, casting Drew Barrymore for E.T. And all he did was hide behind the couch and she got shuffled in and he jumped out from the couch behind a teddy bear and she just opened her mouth and screamed and she got the job so, you know but he was a wonderful person and he he worked with all of us on our lines and you know on the on the placement and 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 the imaginary you know world inside of who you are and where you came from and it was just it was just a fun it was actually a really enjoyable audition which most of them usually aren't but you know disney is is renowned for being you know very nice and and sweet and caring and just you know, just how they are on the screen. It's it's, it's it was a wonderful experience. It really was, and I'm glad I get to relive it, especially now that it's turned into a cult thing. You know, it, had that movie been released now, I think it would have been, you know, a bit more accepted in in the scariness. You know, in in 1985, when 12 or 11 or 10 year old children went to see it, it was a little bit too scary, a little bit too dark. But now, I mean, my youngest is 13, and she loves anything dark. So it's just funny how it's, you know, it's a blessing that it got picked, picked up and, and brought into, you know, a whole cult world. Of course, everyone grew up on The Wizard of Oz, which we all loved. And, and apparently that didn't do very great at the box office and only became great once it hit television. And, and then it's on every Christmas and, you know, the longest playing running movie of all time, you know, so it's fun to be a part of history, that's what's fun. 
Well, definitely, you know, and you really hit the nail on the head saying, you know, that it would be a little more accepted in today's time, but in 85, it was different, different direction, especially with something bringing characters to life from the book series that most people weren't familiar with. Now, you know, on set and filming, I guess, what was it like being part of this film? Because that was the day of practical effects. And I guess, uh, you know, what did you think of the script and these, you know, expansion of characters in the Wizard of Oz universe? Right. It was a very big set. I mean, obviously, I'd done movies before, but not on the size of this caliber when I was 11. Um, it, you know, it was like three huge sound stages, the, the glass mirrored room, all the mirrors were movable so that it wouldn't reflect the camera and, and catch the reflection of the crew. Um, it was very, very magical. There was always lots going on. Um, the water scene was quite amazing. The, the, the water in the thunderstorm was actually a hot jacuzzi bubble bath created inside a sound stage so it wasn't even outdoors um we did do a night shoot for that and um we edited it that in with once we got inside the sound stage but i mean it was just the, the energy on set was very magical very busy we'd all have to be in hair and makeup by 7 a.m and then and then it's you know hurry up and wait you've got to like hurry up get ready and then you do a lot of waiting on film sets just because you're waiting for the lighting or the cameras or the you know, checking the gate and the hairs on the lens and the, you know, everything you can imagine. So I, I vividly remember when I first appear and I walk up to the glass, they had to shoot that so many times because the light was shining so bright for me to be able to be reflected into TikTok. Um, and they kept, the hairdresser was right behind the, the sound stage, kept combing my hair down because any little hair would fly up and it would, you know, it would show the reflection of all these little hairs flying all over the place. But, I mean, attention to detail. Disney has a great, a great way of having attention to detail, you know. And, and just being involved, you know, the love and, and the light of the wheelers and all the people in costumes and, you know, the magical days of having all the crew and all the staff and all the characters there was, it was just a great place. It really was. Faruza and I were, there was three kids actually, um, Beatrice, who was Walter Merch, the director's daughter, and myself and Faruza, and the three, we really were the only ones that were still children. Everyone else was an adult. So we got to be a kid in an adult world that was still very childlike. So we got to be double kids, if you can understand that. <laughs> you know, we got to be kids with the adults that were still being kids living in a childlike dream world. You know, I mean, obviously very punctual. Everything has to be shot and rescheduled and, if this went wrong, we had to redo it, and you know. So I mean, the, you know, the, the script kept us on schedule, and I think we did go over schedule, as most movies do. But um, it's you know, it's always it's creating art. It's magic, you know. It's a magical experience. I feel very blessed to have been involved in that at such a young age. Well, definitely, like you said, it is one of those, it's, it's movie magic and it's magical altogether. And, you know, being part of, you know, something like this in this fantasy world, I guess, you know, with that and being on the set and uh, I guess working with a lot of different things, did you ever have any of those moments on set or any of those stories where, you know, to this day, it's going to make it in your memoirs? There was a very lovely thing that Jean Marsh actually said to me. You know, we were always bouncing around and I was 11 and 12 and it actually finally was released and I was 13 so you know 11 and 12 is when I did most of the filming and um, being a kid and just bouncing around and I thought we were always annoying because we were loud and it was you know they're filming right now can you go back to your dressing room or go back upstairs to the classroom because we were supposed to be at school but of course it was much more fun being downstairs on set 
Um, but Jean Marsh actually said to me something very sweet that I'll never forget, and that was um, the actress who played Mombi. Um, she said if she ever had a daughter, she'd want her to be just like me. And I never forget that. I was 11, you know. I mean, she was just such a beautiful lady and was always so kind and full of smiles and had so much attention to listen to, you know, kid talk most of the time. For us, when I had microphones, obviously, because we were wired up. And, I mean, some of the guys would laugh at silly conversations because we were just kids. I think Frieza was nine and I was 11, you know, so we were talking all the crazy <laughs> stuff at the time. But, yeah, Jean Marsh was amazing and, and, you know, all the rest of the cast and crew, which is so fun. But, yeah, I never forget that. I thought that was a beautiful thing, she said. <laughs> and even <laughs> well, at 43, yeah. I still remember it. <laughs> she, she's my mother from, a, a you know, another lifetime, uh, Jean Marsh. <laughs> Well, you know, and, you know, it's little moments like that uh, that are the things that stick with us, you know, for many different times. Now, I guess before we move on to other items, you know, throughout your career and whatnot, I guess with Return to Oz, uh, when you finally saw the final movie, uh, were you impressed with it and just like, wow, this this is a, a great film from start to finish? Um, in the beginning, I was a little heartbroken and disheartened because they actually dubbed my voice. Um, they took out my original voice. Um and I got to hear it on a on an interview that I did a year ago. And, you know, for all those years, I thought that I hadn't done a very good job or I was too British or, you know, my voice was compared in some way, um, compromised in some way. And when I heard the original voice, you know, it was, it, it was flattering because it's like I did bring what I thought I could in the best of my ability to this character, you know, I'm kind of crazy and wild, yet Ozma was very calm and cool and collected, and she had, uh, you know, a, a, a maturity beyond her years. And I tried to, you know, put that over in, in the ability of, of her being calm and serene and kind of still and quiet. And, you know, and, it, and it's interesting to watch how the movie unfolds because I always wanted the, the viewer to almost be on the edge of their seat waiting for me to say something or waiting for me to do something because I wanted to leave that edge of of mystery or edge of, um, you know, not quite knowing what's going to happen next. You know, like when I'm, when I'm in the room and I'm giving Dorothy um, the pumpkin head, you can almost feel it on the end of my lips that I'm dying to say something. Like, what I really want to say is, you're going to come back to, you know, the Yellow Brick Road soon, and da da da, you know, but obviously I can't because then I'd ruin the story. But, you know, I wanted that element of. <laughs> of surprise. Definitely. Well, you know, and with being part of this film too, you know, looking at all the, I guess, because Ozma, of course, has the most elaborate and the most beautiful dresses. In fact, my nine-year-old daughter always goes, she looks so beautiful. Did you feel just like a little princess in that? I did. I mean, the funniest thing is we shot it twice, which was great for me because I got to wear two Disney dresses. The first one was very lacy and gold, solid gold, very heavy, um, not too, not too fluffy more serene, I think more toward the book of what Ozma wore in the book. Um, but because the background was so gold, they actually didn't think it jumped enough. So then I was very blessed to do it again in an Elizabeth Emmanuel dress. And she actually designed Lady Diana's dress when she married Prince Charles. So she, you know, she was an incredible um, dress designer. And it, it was heavy. It was beautiful. It was uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, because the spikes, 
you know, you turned the wrong way and it would hit you in the cheek, you know, but the feathers and the ambience and how you felt stepping into that dress was just, you know, there's no words for it. I did feel like a princess. And my wand had 24 karat gold chips in it and I would turn the wand upside down and all the chips would fall down the other way and, you know, the big thing is I wasn't allowed to run around in that dress. As soon as it was offset, it was like, okay, step out of it. But the thing that made it all come together were the ruby slippers. You know, the minute you slipped your feet into those ruby slippers, it was magic. So, yeah, you know, again, it was just, a, you know, a beautiful experience for me to feel as as princessy as I looked. <laughs> and it was always uncomfortable. I never knew quite what to do when we practiced and rehearsed it so many times when I stepped through the glass and Dorothy says, oh, you're so beautiful. It's like... What do you do to that? What do you say to that? It was, it was, it, no matter how many times we shot it, it still felt a bit uncomfortable to me. And I didn't want to be bashful and I didn't want to react. I just kind of wanted to let it ride over my regal head as if I were really the princess, you know. So, you know, I, it, it was fun. It was great fun to, to play that character. Really. Well, you know, and with that, too, like you said, you know, it was a darker movie and, you know, you have a 13 year old daughter, uh, you know, do your kids ever go back and they watch these with you and are they just amazed at, all right, that's mom. They do. They've watched it growing up, you know, they usually, you know, in the middle, when it gets a little long in the middle, they kind of lost interest and then they come back when they were really little, you know, they lose interest, run around the house and then come back and watch it. But it's always, you know, we had the VHS like thrown amongst all the other Disney movies. And um, I think now we do actually have the, <laughs> the Blu-ray of it. But, um, you know, I mean, they've seen it so many times. You know, they've grown up with me. And, you know, that's me. <laughs> you know, and they go, oh, yeah, you know. But then, you know, when my, my daughter's 13 and when she did get to 11, you know, I'd bring out all the old Oz photos of me saying, look, look, you're my daughter. You know. But I'm still into everything pink and girly. As, you know, I think Disney does cast pretty pretty good, pretty well, meaning I'm still that princess now, even though I'm 43 years old. And my daughter is kind of into black and grey and everything that's not me. So that's totally fine. She's finding out who she is and, you know, finding her difference between who I am. So it's all fun stuff. <laughs> well, definitely. You know, and like you said, you know, you're always being that little princess and whatnot, but you also don't live in the past and you're working on a lot of different things as uh, even now. And, you know, I guess what are, what currently have you been working on in the most recent years? And, uh, you know, what's where can everybody see you in, in those kind of areas? Well, the, the funniest thing I'm doing right now is I own a dance and fitness studio on Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks in L.A. And um, it's, a, it's called Goddess Fitness Dance. And it's still me being a princess, sometimes on a pole. <laughs> and it's a great it's a great workout. You know, we do belly dancing and burlesque and we still have elements of classical ballet where my education came from. I did study with the Royal Ballet until I kind of took it a year out or six months out to do Return to Oz and then I went back to classical ballet for about another couple of years after that. So, you know, growing up in that dance environment it's just it's healthy, it's healing. Movement is graceful and makes you feel good and can wand off all types of, you know, illnesses and diseases as we get older. So my next thing is um, I've owned Goddess now for about 10 years and we're just about to launch um, goddesslive.com, still from the goddessfitnessdance.com website. And you'll be able to log in from your phone or your computer and join in on a class and you don't need to have any equipment. You can just find a space in your office or your living room and 
move your hips or you can put on your belly dance skirt and vacuum your house and get to join in with the staff and the teachers all from the comfort of your own home or office. So that's the newest thing we're going to be launching. And then this coming year, I'm doing a goddess awareness tour where I'm going all over America, all across the country, um, um, you know, news station to radio station and et cetera, just bringing the awareness that we don't have to think fitness is hard work. You know, we don't have to think that going to the gym is a chore. Because if you just put it in a dance format and you just have fun bouncing around your living room with the lights off and the music loud, then everyone gets a hot, great workout and everyone's happy. So my Goddess Awareness Tour is going to kick off in the next four weeks. And once our, you know, online thing is set, um, it's going to be fun. I just want to spread the spread the word that, you know, fitness doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be boring. And we can still be princesses every day, even when we're 43. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and like you said, it's it's one of those where, you know, you can dance, stay in shape, have fun, and, you know, and, you know, doing it where, you know, they can log in through their phone or their mobile devices. I mean, that is something that is unique and different that's out there. They can just join in. Here we are, part of the class all around the country. So, you know, I see that booming and, uh, you know, in this next year. It's going to be great, you know, and I just, and we're going to have a whole page at the back of the site where you can video yourself and upload those videos too, so it's just going to be fun, I want a whole nation dancing, you know, and we get dressed up sometimes, we put on big shoes and frilly tutus and feather boas and it's like, let's make fitness fun, you know, if we've got to get fit, let's do it in a fun environment, so that's what well, Goddess Fitness Dance is all about. Well, definitely, you know, and that's also the kind of thing where, you know, you're also, you know, practicing your dancing so you can go out on a Friday, Saturday night and now you feel even more confident. Right, exactly. You'll have all the moves down and you'll have, you know, cardio and you'll be able to last longer on the dance floor and it's just general health and well-being, you know, without without it being invasive, you know. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I can't do aerobics. Oh, we don't do aerobics here. It's all very slow. We actually call it a work in just as much as it is a work out because it's yoga-based and classical ballet-based. So you're moving gracefully and effortlessly, but very slowly and sensual, in a sensual way, but that is controlling your muscles more. So instead of just bouncing and flapping around with the muscles in a cardio class, you're going to be tightening and elongating and creating the muscle definition in a calm, cool environment. So it, it, it's, it's, it's healing as opposed to hard on your joints. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I used to be a runner and my knees are shot. And I go, perfect, get into goddess. Because we move in such a graceful, slow, smooth, elegant way that you don't even feel that you're working out. But you'll be totally sweaty within half an hour. So it's great. It's really fun. And we've got guys coming into the circus classes. And there's Chinese pole now with all the guys joining in on those classes. And we do a BCP, which is a booty cardio pole, where you're just using the ballet bar vertical, you know, to be the apparatus for you to hold on to and swing around. It's just great fun. It really is. Well, you know, and it sounds like it's one of those things where it is fun. Everybody's getting involved. You, of course, fitness and health and being healthy and so many different things. Now, you know, throughout your career, I guess all over the board, currently, you know, working with, uh, you know, goddess and dance and fitness. And, of course, for all the Disney fans being part of the classic Return to Oz, I guess, in closing here for all of your fans out there, fans of uh, Emma and every everything you've done. And, of course, the newest things that you're working on as well. Is there anything you'd like to leave out there as the lasting words from you? 
Um, just, you know, just love. You know, if I can spread love all across the world, lo- love of oneself and love for everyone and everything and that's that's my mission <laughs> just to just to just to show that you know self-love is is core to happy life you know thinking great thoughts doing fun things physically and eating healthy is a great way to live and we call it um eat clean dance dirty because <laughs> dancing in that fun burlesque way is is fun you know we're actually putting on shows so some of our shows are going to be filmed live on our website my website is com, and then of course they've goddessfitnessdance.com and soon to be goddesslive.com and um you know throughout those websites you'll get information on you know where we're going to be performing and when shows that are coming up and you know songs performances dates and releases and stuff like that and of course the goddess awareness tour that's starting soon. Well, you know, we'd like to thank you for stopping in, chatting with us. You know, so many different things on you know on the horizon coming up, and you know, it was a, it was a pleasure having you stop in, and of course, you know, passing on those memories. You know, I grew up watching Return to Oz. You know, being comparable in age as yourself, and of course, my children now growing up watching it as well. And who knows, maybe my wife will get into Goddess Fitness, and uh, it'll be happy all around. But thank you once again. Thank you so much. Yes, please, happy back soon. <laughs> God bless. Bye bye.
Hey, everybody, it's Bradley Pierce from Beauty and the Beast, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where the yellow brick road is the best means of transportation. The luck of the Irish has fallen upon us here on Disney On Demand. We're all wearing green. We're all drinking shamrock shakes and maybe a few other Irish libations. But you don't have to be green with envy to stick around with us. There is no more famous green place, well, other than Green Bay, Wisconsin, or Greenland, than where our Blu-ray is taking us today, the Emerald City. With Princess Ozma herself, Emma Ridley, joining us this week, it is only fitting to do a little jig in her honor as we ease on down the road with this 1985 remastered and often forgotten classic, Return to Oz. Kansas. It's more than just dust in the wind. It is home to one of cinema and literature's most famous kids. No, not that Potter boy, Dorothy Gale. When we see her again in this film, six months has passed since she returned from Oz. In that time, she's become extremely depressed. Not knowing what to do and fearing that Dorothy is a little bit crazy, Auntie M and Uncle Henry take her to the sanitarium run by Dr. Worley, renowned electrotherapist. I guess it wasn't that easy to get a prescription of Zoloft back then. I mean, it was 1899. While in treatment, Dorothy is left under the care of Nurse Wilson. Soon, a thunderstorm hits. Geez, if it's not tornadoes, it's severe storms. It's a wonder anything gets done in Kansas. During the storm, the lab loses power. The perfect time for an escape. It is with the help of a mysterious girl that Dorothy makes it past the pursuit of Nurse Wilson and plunges into a nearby river. Thankfully, a chicken coop passes by, and like the mere Rose uses in Titanic, she places herself on it. But the other girl, well, she seemed to just vanish. Dorothy passes out, and I would too after being through all of that. When she awakens, she's back in Oz. If travel were only that easy. Dorothy is never too far with a traveling companion, and this time around she's with one of the chickens from the coop, Belina. Everything should be sunshine and rainbows for our heroine now. I mean, she did sing about it before. Instead, she's returned to a very different Oz. The Emerald City is in ruins, and all of her friends, including the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion, have been turned to stone. To make matters worse, the two of them are being chased by the newest baddies in Oz, the Wheelers, humans who have wheels instead of hands and feet. Kind of think Jace and the Wheeled Warriors only really mean. They rush into a hidden room to avoid capture where they meet up with TikTok. He's like the Tin Man but completely mechanical. Small and very cute. He tells Dorothy that the Pumpkin King, I mean King Scarecrow, yes, that Scarecrow, has been captured by the Gnome King, and the King is the one that's caused all of the destruction of the Emerald City. TikTok thinks it's best that they speak with Mombi to get more information. But since she's wicked, she's of course working with the Gnome King and has all three of them imprisoned. What are our new friends going to do now that they've been put into jail? Guess there's plenty of time to play cards. Instead, they meet up with Jack Pumpkinhead. Yes, just like Jack Skellington with his pumpkin head, only a lot funnier. 
and played by Brian Henson. Now, anything can happen in Oz, but it seems Jack was created through Mombi's powder of life. I'm sure it doesn't have that same baby fresh scent as most baby powders do. Dorothy, always one step ahead of the game, decides that if Mombi can create a creature, so can she. Our merry band uses everything in the room. A sofa, palm leaves, a broom, some rope, the head of a moose-looking thing, and creates the gump. Not Forrest, just the gump. Not only is the gump great company, but it's better than U.S. Air to travel from the place you call home to sunny central Florida. They escape the Northlands and head to the Gnome King's Mountain. Upon their final descent and the last of the honey-roasted peanuts, they actually get to speak to the king. The reason for being mad is that the Gnome King accuses the Scarecrow of taking his emeralds to build the Emerald City. We all know that the Great City was not built by our Scarecrow, or in one short day. Dorothy stands up for her friend, but the Gnome King persists that since he's King of the Emerald City, he should be punished. But he does give our heroes a chance to save the Scarecrow. The Gnome King loves his collections. Upon showing a number of ornaments to them, the king makes a deal. They each have three guesses to find the scarecrow amongst his trinkets. If they cannot, they too will become a part of his menagerie. The gump, Jack, and TikTok each fail and are turned into ornaments. That leaves Dorothy. The king proposes a new deal. Her ruby slippers for her freedom. That sounds great for Dorothy, but not so great for her friends. She refuses and begins to make her guesses. On her last guest, she finds him. Seems he made the game a little too easy. All Ozians were the green ones. Do you think that's how the Gnome King organizes his M&Ms as well, by color? Hmm. She discovers and revives all of our friends, which doesn't please the Gnome King at all. Completely ticked off, the King transforms and rolls out onto our gang of travelers, eating half of the gump. He tries to eat Jack too, but thankfully Belina is in his head. Talk about being on someone's mind. Frightened, she lays an egg which falls into the Gnome King's mouth. He begins to crumble upon ingesting the egg. Seems someone forgot their EpiPen. Along with the King's demise, so too does the realm. Before everything is destroyed, Dorothy hunts for her slippers and wishes for everyone to return back to a fully restored Emerald City. Hooray! All is good again until they notice TikTok is missing. Saddened, they mourn the loss of their companion. That is until Belina sees something on the gump's antler. Using one more wish, she revives her metal man, and everyone is back home again, and the city celebrates their accomplishments. Dorothy has done it again. She's saved the land, saved her friends, and she's been cured of her depression. To honor their hero, she is asked to become the almighty Queen of Oz. I mean, seriously, she's saved the land twice now. Just take the job. But once again, she realizes that she's not meant to stay permanently in Oz and that she should return to her family in Kansas. Looking through the crowd, she sees a somewhat familiar face, the girl who helped her escape the hospital. Turns out she's Princess Ozma, the real Queen of Oz and Jack's creator. She had been enchanted by Mombi. You know, when Mombi was working for the king... Ozma is a great person and spreads her compassion throughout the land. She forgives Mombi and makes peace. Before Ozma sends Dorothy home, she gives the slippers back to Ozma and allows Belina to stay. Ozma also offers Dorothy an open invitation back to Oz, and who wouldn't take that ticket? 
Back in Kansas, the search party finds Dorothy. Auntie M tells Dorothy of everything she's missed. The sanitarium burnt to the ground, with Dr. Worley dying along with it. Nurse Wilson was arrested, literally locked away, and key disposed of. Tired and in need of rest, Dorothy heads back to her room. Belina and Ozma contact Dorothy through the mirror. Hey, I wonder if she knows Sydney or Regina. Hmm. Anyway, wanting to prove to Auntie M that she's not crazy, she asks if she can bring her aunt to meet them. Ozma politely asks she doesn't, but does ask Dorothy to always keep Oz close to her heart. This isn't the last time that Disney has visited the Emerald City. Back in 2013, we were treated to a prequel of sorts with Oz the Great and Powerful. We've also been able to visit the Munchkin Village while riding the Great Movie Ride. Oz and Disney seem to be a natural combination. However, it's always the 1939 classic with Judy Garland and Ray Bolger that always has taken center stage. That's a shame. Return to Oz is such a wonderful nod to that film while honoring the books that they come from, namely the second and third in the series, The Marvelous Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. I remember seeing this film in the theater for the first time, and then later on The Wonderful World of Disney. Each time I see it, I always want to be with Dorothy and return to the Great Land of Oz. It inspired me to read the original Balm books and later in life read the McGuire books which the musical Wicked is based on. Oz has a hold on me. Will we get a chance to revisit Oz again? Who knows? I do know that the cast from Oz the Great and Powerful have sequels written into their contract, so it's not out of the question. However, going back to Return to Oz, the Disney Movie Club back in 2015 released a 30th anniversary edition of this classic on Blu-ray. I couldn't be more happy. I missed out on getting a VHS or a Laserdisc copy for that matter. What are you going to get when you drop this disc into your player? Well, you'll get all 113 minutes of Oz goodness. That's it. None of the extras that were included in the 2004 DVD release were included. If you do have a chance to get a copy of the 2004 version, that would include interviews with Feruza Balk, she played Dorothy, as well as four TV spots and the trailer. Due to the rights issues, we just don't get to see them here on the Blu-ray release. However, the Blu-ray has a remastered print of the film, which looks absolutely amazing, especially for an 80s film, and a newly remastered 5.1 soundtrack. All in all, you're going to want to add this to your collection. It's definitely time to return to Oz, and if this is your first time, welcome. You'll be glad you came. So I'm going to file this under E for Emerald City, and I will see you back here next week with another blue for you to view here on The Vault. Watch for me back on Monday with a new Monday movie memory where I'm going to share some of my favorite parts of the film in all of its beautiful colors. Can't wait until Monday or next week and have a question or comment for me? Draw me an email, jason at disradio.com. Old, new, or somewhere in between? No, I'm not talking about my age. I'm talking about how I like my movies. So let's talk all things cinema. So until then, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is three clicks of my heels, and always deep inside of you. Cooper. And their dealings with dressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. We're just waiting for the Tin Man to join us. Uh, come on, guys. The Tin Man is just a character in a movie. Uh-huh. Oh, here he is. See? Uh-huh.
Tin Man looks very, very familiar. Familiar? Why, he looks just like a Tin Man does. By the way, where's Goofy? Right here, Michael. Goofy. Really, Bullwood? Gee, Goofy, if you hadn't said anything, I would have never known it was you. Ever seen a gump? Half moose, half flying sofa, a talking chicken. If this is odd, I'd rather take my Kansas back in Kansas. A lovable pumpkin head like Jack, or even a marvelous mechanical soldier. Pleased to meet you. I am TikTok, the Royal Army of Oz. Join Dorothy and her wonderful new friends in a magical new movie, because seeing is believing when you return to Oz. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. We are celebrating St. Patrick's Day here at Diz Radio, so I decided this was the perfect opportunity to hear from one of our favorite green friends. He's a star on the big screen and the small screen and in the swamp scene. I'm talking about none other than Kermit the Frog. Kermit and the Muppets have been giving us musical enjoyment since 1955 thanks to the creative mind of the late Jim Henson. Kermit himself has been at the helm of the Muppet projects, including the most recent films and the gang's newest show on ABC. This week, I pulled out three of my favorite Muppet tunes, led by Mr. Green himself, Kermit, out of my Disney Music Library. So follow me down to the swamp because it's time to start the music and light the lights and get things started this St. Patty's Day with the music from the Muppets. Everyone has a time in their life where they have a hard time accepting who they are. This can be for a number of reasons, and sometimes it's color. Even Kermit has had his struggles. It's Not Easy Being Green was written in 1970 by Joe Raposo and had its debut during the first season of The Muppet Show. Since then, it has been used as a theme for identity and individuality and used to represent the importance of self-love and has been used in celebrations of diversity. While Kermit does uh, does say it's not always easy being green, he also looks at the positives that come with being green by associating his color with other nice things that are green. He comes to the conclusion that while it may not always be easy to be green, he is happy with who he is and embraces his greenness. The instrumentation is fairly simple, utilizing triangle, woodwinds, very light percussion, keyboard, and bass. It's a simple song overall with an important message for everyone. No matter what we look like, we should all love each other and be happy with who we are. We need to embrace who we are and just be happy. It's not easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it might be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that It's not easy being green Seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky But green's the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly-like And green can be big like a mountain Or important like a river Or tall like a tree 
When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder? Why wonder? I'm green It'll do fine It's beautiful And I think it's what I want to be The Muppets hadn't seen the silver screen since 1999 before The Muppets was released in theaters on November 23, 2011. When we first see Kermit in the film, he's living alone in a home presumably once shared with Piggy. It's been quite some time since Kermit has seen the gang, and when he hears that the Muppet Theater is in danger, he begins to sorrowfully wonder if he and the gang would be able to save their former home by putting on one last show together. Pictures in My Head was written by Jeannie Lurie and produced by Brett McKenzie, who composed the majority of the songs for the film. Kermit walks the halls of his house looking at paintings of his friends, referencing each of their signature acts as he stops at their respective portraits. He is joined by his friends for a final verse as the portraits come to life for a brief moment before Kermit ends the song alone while looking under a cover at a portrait of Miss Piggy. It's a ballad to be sure, with most of the instrumentation being piano and low strings until Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem come to life. It really helps the audience connect with our favorite frog as he tries to figure out if there's anything he can do to save the place he and his friends once called home. Is there more I could have said? Now there are only pictures in my head. That's why my green is feeling gray. Sometimes even frogs have rainy days. Remember when the stage caved in while you were rocking out? thought your smorgasbord would be hard to live without if we could do it all again just another chance to entertain would anybody watch or even care or did something break we can't repair your cannonball trajectory, it always gave me hope. They may have been unbearable, but I still loved your jokes. Is there more I could have said? Now there are only pictures in my head. I didn't do it. I've been framed. Ah, waka waka. Gonzo the Great will ride this baby again. His furniture hickey is furnished in the jicky. The Sagato tune is absolutely, most transparently bringing me down. One, two, and a half. Song. 
but I'm standing here instead. Now they're only pictures in my head. To close this week, we have my personal favorite when it comes to Muppet music. The song was given its debut in 1979 and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song in 1980. Written by Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher, Rainbow Connection has had many covers since Kermit's solo in the Muppet movie as the opening number. Even within the film, the song was reprised and sung by the ensemble cast at the end. Most recently, Kermit sang the song with Tori Kelly on The Wonderful World of Disney, Disneyland 60, which aired on February 21st of this year. Now Muppets have performed this song over the years, from Willie Nelson to Kenny Loggins to Leah Salonga to Paul Williams and the Roots. It has had a place in the music world for 37 years, but my favorite version is the performance by the ensemble cast during the 2011 film. From Kermit asking Miss Piggy to join him in their song, to the entire Muppet Show cast joining the leads for the final verse and chorus and Animal giving the final drive with the addition of the drums, it is truly one of the best performances you could ask for when it comes to a full Muppet song. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told and some choose to I know they're wrong, wait and see Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers, and me always our time together must come to an end thanks for joining me for another magical music review and for coming back to disney on demand every week as always feel free to connect with the d team on the d wire discussion page on facebook and with me with any comments suggestions or questions at page at disradio.com that's p-a-i-g-e at disradio.com now i'm off to go find a rainbow over at the poly as i celebrate my cousin christian's birthday maybe i'll find some gold or a shiny new pin at the end have a fantastic rest of your day, D-Heads. Throw on some green and join the celebration. And until next time, see ya! Someday we'll find it. The
This is Jonathan Adams, and you are listening to Disney On Demand. Walt Disney presents... Fantasyland. I captured the king of the leprechaun. What deceitful trickery are you up to now? Good evening, Your Honor. I brought Mr. Disney to see you, sir. Disney? I've heard of the Dailies, the Duffies, the Donovans, the Devlins, the Darties, but Disney, no. I don't know any Disney, so good night, sir. And now... Your Disneyland host, Walt Disney. Some time ago, I decided to make an Irish picture, for Ireland is the home of the leprechaun, and the little people have always fascinated me. Well, when the story finally took shape and we were facing the problems of production, I felt I should talk the whole thing over with one of my Irish friends. Now, there's nobody more Irish than Pat O'Brien. Have you ever been to Ireland, Walt? No, I never have. Well, I've been all over Ireland. Dublin, Cork, Tralee. Oh, gee, it's a grand country. Awfully poor, though. See, they've never had any iron or coal for export. But they've got one great commodity they've sent all over the world. What's that? Men, Walt, my lad. Fine, upstanding men. And women, too. Do you realize, Walt, the great contributions they've made to this country alone? Did you know that 11 of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Irish? No, I didn't. Well, it's true. Now on Biz Radio, it's Brandy, giving you the latest news on Disney's multimedia. Brandy has you covered, giving you the latest news on what's happening at the Walt Disney Company. Now on BizRadio.com. In today's ever-growing innovation, theme park industry is making ways immersing guests into the new realms of entertainment. Disney's Imagineering has added a little neat feature by using next-gen My Magic Plus Storymaker technology. To the end of Magic Kingdom's It's a Small World attraction, there is a little room right before you disembark. A sensor reads the guest's magic band, and it offers them a personalized goodbye message on one of the four screens. It's one of many new ways Disney Imagineers are using this new RFID technology to be added in new ways of plussing it. Disney Games and Target presents Zootopia Dash. By choosing one of the three characters from the movie Disney Zootopia, you are using the weight of speed and fast reflexes to find special items in a small Target-like shopping store. The faster you collect the items, the more stars you will get. By the more stars you collect, it allows you to get a sneak peek of the movie. You can check out this web the website link at partners.disney.com slash Zootopia, the, in the little dash indicator, and the word dash. So the web link is partners. Disney.com backslash Zootopia, the little dash, and the word dash, D-A-S-H. Is there a game you would like me to review that I haven't covered already? Or some gaming tips you would like to share with the community? Be sure to have your name, 
town you live in and state, so I can give you the credit. You can send me an email at randy at disradio.com. The email, again, is r-a-n-d-y at disradio, d-i-z-r-a-d-i-o dot com. Well, this is Randy signing out for Disney Multimedia. Be sure to keep your eyes, ears, and senses alerted with the latest Disney Multimedia around you. Until then, see you next time. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand! Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show, our St. Patrick's Day show. Maybe you're going to sit down and watch those movies, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, Luck of the Irish, anything that is Irish-related to Disney, maybe you'll enjoy it today, and hopefully that Luck of the Irish, I'm still holding out that I'll lose this cold today for St. Patrick's Day. But I do want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Emma Ridley for taking time out of her schedule and stopping in with all of you D-heads, taking that trip down memory lane, and of course talking about your newest venture, Goddess Dance Studios. Thank you, Emma, once again for stopping in and chatting with all of us here at the show. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Caitlin, Jason, Paige, Randy, Nathan, and Cody, all for stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without them, there'd be nothing else but listening to me ramble week in and week out. The team truly is the backbone of the show. The team is the one that makes this show happen. So thank you, team, for stopping in once again and spreading that magic to all the D-heads. And of course, finally, thank you, the D-heads. You're the reason we continue to bring this show to you every single week. You're the reason that we continue to do this for the last six years, bringing you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney. You're spreading the word. You embrace the show. You help us make the show magical. So thank you, the D-Heads, for stopping in every single week and making us truly what we are here at the show. So next week is Easter. And before I jump in and to give you the clues as who's going to be stopping in here next week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky little show. And remember, you can always subscribe and get the latest shows on your mobile device, your Android, your tablet, your iPhone, and more just by subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can subscribe, get the latest shows as they get released for you to sit back, enjoy, and have that fun. So definitely check us out, subscribe, and remember you can find all of these links on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. So all of you D-heads, with that said, it has been a fantastic show here this week, and next week it is Easter. That's right, it is our Easter edition of the show. So you're going to get ready for all kinds of fun from the Easter Bunny, Peter Cottontail, going to the Disney parks, and of course a very special guest who is a little bit of Easter related. So I hope the rest of St. Patrick's Day is fantastic for all of you D-heads and I hope to see all of you at the C2E2 event this weekend in Chicago. If you do see me, definitely, you know, stop by, say hi, record a shout out for the show. 
definitely connect up with us. That's the C2E2 event this weekend as well. So all VD has, as I always say, as we get busy, time gets away from us. We're busy working, school, you name it. Slow down, take time, and never neglect family for business. So until next week, I'll catch you online, see you all over the magic, and maybe see a few of you this weekend at the event. So sit back and uh, have a fantastic weekend and make the memories happen. Have you ever seen the seagulls flying over heather? All the crimson sails in Galway Bay, the fishermen on Oh, the earth is filled with beauty, and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling, full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. I love the ground she walks upon, my darling Irish girl. When the dew is on the hayrick and every drop of brew, when the geese are full of blarney and the thrush is singing gaily and standing the doorway is a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling full of fun, no other, no other can match the likes of her. She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one, I love the ground she walks upon. My pretty Irish girl. She's my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. Oh, he is my dear, my darling one, his eyes so sparkling full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. She's my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. I love the ground she walks upon, my darling Irish girl. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.